talking about the Daleks, the most evil creatures ever invented. You must destroy them. You must complete your mission for the Time Lords. Do I have the right? Welcome to the Whovian Review. I'm Colin. I'm Shelby. And I'm Michael. And tonight we're going right into Genesis of the Daleks. This is, of course, from season 12 of the classic series, Tom Baker. I would say my very first and strongest takeaway from this is that, like... Daleks! The last episode was amazing. It was out of this world. Literally. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh my goodness yeah, it's good to get off of planet earth and onto another and and what i love are origin stories and who could imagine a better origin story for the whovian review to do than one of the most menacing notorious villains in all of the universe the dalek one thing i want to mention first off is the very beginning of this story when I first saw this, I thought I was watching something else at first because it didn't even seem like Doctor Who. It starts off with these men in masks being shot down in the middle of of a rock quarry or a, or something like that. And it just – it was like, wait a minute. Is this the right show? <laughs> it had a very different direction, a very different feel. And this is Philip Hinchcliffe at his best. He took over from Barry Letts after Barry Letts left. And Barry Letts, of course, did Doctor Who while John Pertwee was there. And had a very different Earthbound feel. This feels very alien to anything that had come before. It, it and does. I, and, and not only that, is I felt like it uh, also at the beginning when the Doctor just gets snatched in by the Time Lords, just that whole concept of it of, you know, this rare case where the Time Lords are like sending him on a mission to go change things and that's the reason they're there kind of almost gives it a more serious tone right off the bat it does i think it feels like classic hypocrisy by the time lords to me it's like well we're we're all about non-interference and you know we let you do whatever you do but here we need to go back and we need to mess with time (laughs) classic time lords that's for sure (laughs) yeah but uh, going back to to michael's point I, i did i did get the alien feeling of it but there's something else very Earth-like about it. Not only, you know, does everybody in Scarrow more or less look like an Earth humanoid, um, but really a lot of strong, like, WW2 kind of overtones here. We have the trenches, the gas masks. The Nazi-like enemy. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and threats to the of, major war all around. Even the Doctor mentions the fact that there's all this very primitive technology amongst all the other not-so-primitive technology, so I was wondering, what in the world is going on here? Well, I thought that was really interesting and really a great thing to have in, just that concept of, yeah, eventually you run out of the good weapons and all you're left with are the, you know, old ones. 
Yeah, yeah. that's why I'm, I'm glad that I still have my samurai sword for when all the bullets <laughs> rust away and the dogs come for me. <laughs> Basically, it just shows you that this war has been going on for quite some time. The Kalids and Pals just hate each other, but I mean... Yeah, what was it, a thousand-year war? Well, they said something like the first century of the war, such and such. Um, So we don't know, but several centuries. Yeah, I Um, thought they had mentioned something, like as everyone was celebrating the the war being over, even though it wasn't really um, over at that point. Yeah, and then, of course, there's the third race, which is really... You know, I think most impactful in, you know, its relevance to the Daleks' backstory because these are the Mutos, the ones that, you know, they were just like us, but then they got mutated by all of these chemicals that, you know, and other things that we did to attack each other, and they became these horrible things, and we need to not be like that. They're horrible monsters. And that kind of blends into why the Daleks would have gotten programmed to think that, you know, that they have to remain pure and... Yeah, I think it's definitely like some more eugenics, kind of like WW2 vibes for sure in there. I think, though, you know, what's really cool is the character Severin, who, of course, is the Muto that helps Sarah when she goes off in search of the Doctor in the second episode, and that he is kind of the opposite of what you'd expect a Muto to be. He is mutated, but he is a very gentle person who doesn't want to deal with war. He's trying to actually save Sarah in this circumstance. Yeah, I see a lot of his character and also a lot of mutos in general made me think, you know, how much of them are really mutated and beyond repair and how much of it really is just outcasts. Well, I I meant it more of like from the perspective of the Khalids, but... (laughs) Right, right, of course. But it it seems like, you know, most of them are are pretty indistinguishable, if not for having to been through, you know, living hell out in the wasteland. Well, yeah. Although it is kind of interesting that, you know, because they all look an awful lot like, you know, Sarah, Jane, Harry, and the Doctor, and, uh... You know, all of their DNA and everything came up to the same, like, we have no idea what these people are made out of. <laughs> Gotta love a uh, convergent evolution. <laughs> but it also goes to the to the, um, the Khalids as to how Nazi-like they've become in, in terms of the fact that they're turning these people out because of just some simple mutations of a leg or a simple mutation of a, an arm. It's kind of like uh, a handicapped or someone with a mental illness. I mean, it really it really kind of touches base with our with what we've done in our past as humans. Oh, and yeah. For sure. And hearing that, um, I think it was Nider, it might have been one of the other guys, just like that whole little speech where he just went off on a rant at every opportunity and just like got angrier and angrier screaming about how they will take down the thals and all that sounded very much like a hitler-esque speech definitely i mean it it's kind of this episode definitely brings on the horror of or the horror of the power of the word of mouth and Davros and and Niter kind of embody that that uh, that word that that is so powerful and so important because they're the ones that are trying that they're trying to save the race at the same time they're almost exterminating them at the same. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, from Davros's perspective, since. He's decided, you know, what the true college is, which is the Daleks, their future evolu- final evolution or whatever, then, you know, therefore everything, 
you know, he has to do has to be to protect them and everyone nowadays doesn't really matter. But, you know, there's a lot of uh, flawed logic in there. He also thinks of the Daleks as their final evolution as if such a thing um, existed. And, you know, the talk of there's only seven galaxies and we are the only planet with sentient life and all of it. And, you know, all these different things that, uh, you know, his science is pretty advanced in some areas, but not so much in others. I don't know, it could be, you know, from their perspective, they really, you know, they could only see that many galaxies. Um, and, you know, it's, he seemed to be right about those galaxies. The, the, the doctor kind of confirmed it for him. The doctor himself, you know, says what a great scientific mind he is. Oh, he is for sure. Yeah, and, and I don't think that's that's really uh, in question. No, I meant more like on the sense of when you're in a sort of uh, situation where no one ever says no to you and everyone treats you as the only brilliant thing to ever, you know, roll the face of the scar. Oh, it, uh, you know, you end up leave, getting holes in your logic and your reasoning because no one's there to question you or to, you know, do anything like that. Yeah, so it at least gives you a shock and dismay when there is a being that says no and does not obey. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's fair. <laughs> I think, I think there's another scientist that, uh, at, at least at the beginning of the story, uh, Ronson, who also kind of embodies a scientist that thinks outside the box. He's not just thinking that this world's the only one, and he actually gets confirmed also by the Doctor that he's the one that finds out the Doctor's from another world, and Harry. And so it was kind of interesting, but yet Ronson is kind of like Davros's uh, almost equal, maybe not quite equal, but getting there, but on the opposite spectrum. So he's he's more of a good scientist that, that wants to preserve life and take care of um, their race in the best possible way, um, which is kind of the opposite of what Yeah, I'd say well, If there's a character that was revealed in this episode that I respect the most, it would be him. I really, uh, I th- think that was a great thing, what he did with that knowledge, with great risk to himself. And, you know, it, the risk was certainly impar- apparent with his demise. True. Well, yeah, I mean, he he actually stopped the Dalek, the very or the Mark III machine from from uh, shooting the Doctor in the first place. So that was that was pretty brave of him, um, knowing I, what Davros is capable of. I mean, I thought it was interesting and uh, just kind of a difference between the Daleks and the Cybermen because in all the Cybermen origin stories, it basically comes to a point where a group of people, you know decide to do this and convert but then here you have all the people eventually deciding no this is a bad thing we shouldn't do it and i think that a pretty strong difference there is because in the cybermen sense they think that they themselves are transforming whereas in the dalek sense it's just like we're doing this for progeny (laughs) definitely which kind of is a great, uh, sorry to, to jump ahead a bit, but to lead into the speech that, um, I forget his name, um, the, anyways, the one guy who was like heading the anti-Davros movement, his, uh, Garmin, uh, his whole thing about, you know, well, we could also just wait and evolve if we deserve to evolve into these things. If this is what we're going to turn into, then, you know, let's not jump the gun on that. That's another option. And, you know, I thought that was just a phenomenal point <laughs> to bring down without actually contradicting Davros in any of his uh, statements. 
That's Indeed, and, and that was really a lot of the mission that the Doctor came in here with. I guess really the other side was to kill them all, um, to end it. But I also thought that was you know interesting to see, going to connect that back to the beginning of the episode, when the Doctor was really just handed a time ring. It's like, yeah, kill all the Daleks. Dalek genocide, or, you know, carve them on a new path. Um, and just to see the Doctor like being just kind of okay with that and just kind of accept it. I feel like it's it's a doctor of a different time, closer well, to... Well, he, he, he did at first, but then, like, when he actually... It was interesting, because we went to the point where right. he was like, I actually have to make this decision. He was, you know, frozen on the spot and had a phenomenal speech about it in discussion with, with Sarah. But then, you know, he was deeply relieved when he was like, oh, good, this is still going to happen, but it'll be someone else's decision. And then once that hope was taken away, he was like, didn't hesitate to run out there and, and blow them up. It was just kind of an interesting, you know, rapid turnaround yeah. of his character throughout this story. And of course, I'm screaming, just touch the wires together, man. Uh, just uh, make it happen, end it all. But I, I thought it was funny to come that into like Davros' speech, like, which one of you are going to do it? Which one are you going to kill all these Daleks? Yeah. And in the same way, you know, it wasn't going to be the Doctor. Because yeah, from his perspective, he does it. He may as well be a Dalek, too. And, you know, frankly, I mean, he had the opportunity to walk up there and press the button. I bet Davros would have let him walk all the way up to it before he did anything because he wouldn't have believed. I mean, Davros got, got pretty close himself, too, here. That was it, a really this, surprising yeah, thing, is that he was going to destroy the Daleks at this point. Yeah, well, after all the warnings. Obviously, they turned against him. He, I mean, Davros, even though he is evil and even though he's ruthless, he does at least appreciate the scientists that were on his side and were trying to actually preserve their race. Uh, so he does have a little bit of compassion inside him for well, the people that are for him. I don't think that was a move of compassion. That seemed to me like a move of self-preservation. I just note it because, you know, in later like um, times with Davros as he gets older, he, you know, focuses more on the Daleks as his legacy and how it's more important that they survive than that he survives. And Right. Yeah. But when, he gets older because I mean, it really looks like he dies in this episode. <laughs> the reason why I said compassion, I mean, it's a very small amount, but the reason why I say that is because he says the words, have pity. Now, pity is something that would be compassion in the, in the greater sense, I would imagine. Mm, that's a good point. Um, so I think I think that Davros does have it in him to be good. Well, of but course. I think he just tends towards the. <laughs> I think I think Davros is just messed up in the head. Of course, he's born as a child of war, no nothing else, you know, and and he, he clearly you know, you know got you know disabled at some point, but still managed to use his power to get his way to stay into a society that wouldn't let you stay in which, that situation. Yeah, which I thought to be very interesting because if there was anyone who looked like a mutant. It was Davros. <laughs> you know, but this also kind of goes into, again, the uh, parallels to Hitler, who, you know, at one point was taking out everyone. Had a third everyone. eye. And- no, at one point was taking out everyone with brown hair and brown eyes, and he had brown hair and brown eyes. You know, so it's a similar sort of thing. Like, if you get powerful enough, you can end up pointing at, you know, other people that have similar things to you and still, you know, be fine yourself. One thing we haven't mentioned yet is the principal cast. Um, we haven't talked about Harry and Sarah as companions. Um, we've, a good they, trifecta here. Great side characters. Yeah, they, they they were they were a strong trifecta here. I, I felt felt like you know, ne- like neither of them were 
sidelined or anything. They were really like doing things that yeah, were relevant. Both to the shining, plot. competent, you know, characters in in the midst of it. Great companions. Yeah. I mean, Sarah, Sarah leads an entire rebellion against the foul dome. <laughs> she does, and, and though I, I may have missed something, but it seemed like in one episode she was falling from a ladder and she wasn't a free fall, and then you know when we came into the next episode, it seemed like she was just. On the ladder again, and kind of scurried back she up. She fell, but she fell on her back, and she didn't fall that far. Ah. So that's when Sir, uh, Severin goes down and picks her back up again. That's why I he lose time trying to get out of the dome. That's why the soldiers are able to catch up to them. Oh, yeah, I think that our uh, thing might have skipped us forward. <laughs> oh, really? No. Yeah, oh. you see you see her fall, free-falling, and then it free, there's a freeze frame at the end of the episode. Yeah. The next in the next episode, you see her fall, and then you see her stop kind of hanging off of one of the, uh, I don't know, pipes or, or connectors. Um, and so she hasn't fallen that far. Gotcha. She's still up there. <laughs> well, thank goodness. But yeah, I mean, she got in, you know, she got gassed, then she got abandoned, then she got enslaved, then she escaped, like, led an escape for a bunch of people, and then she led a rebellion. I mean... She had quite, <laughs> quite a few episodes here, and and of course Harry saves the Doctor in the very opening. Yeah, and, and frankly, you know, I mean, arguably him. multiple times because the Doctor relies pretty heavily on him throughout this episode in general. Yep. But, you know, you really actually uses his, you know, military skills and stuff. Yep, exactly. Yeah, I love how like the Doctor seems like he knows so much about the Daleks, but also like so much is new to him here. Like, he's never gone and, and seen the Dalek origins. This is a whole new universe for him. I think at even at one point, he's just like, who's this Davros guy? Yeah. <laughs> What's he about? She's <laughs> very much. jarring coming from the new who back to the classic. It's, it's a whole different era and perspective of the Doctor. Especially even though he can, uh, you know, recant all of these great battles with the Daleks and how they were foiled and feebled. But there's still just so many, you know... Um, just holes in his own, own knowledge of the species, of its origins. I couldn't believe that he, you know, even though they went back and destroyed the tape, I can't believe that he just sat and blabbered on to, to them about how time travel life works and all this, you know, different stuff. I was like, oh my god. It seems like the Doctor's normal approach to me. But. Well, no, but like when talking to the creators of the Daleks. Well, yeah, but Harry and Sarah mean more to the Doctor than the knowledge of the Daleks. And well, yeah, doctor, but he could have, you know. The Doctor also probably would have, I mean, his plan probably all along had, was to get that tape and destroy it. True. Yeah. But he was still heard once. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's a lot going into there. You are weighing two people's lives against, you know, potential future multi multiple, multiple genocides that could arise from this. And then right after, he has this amazing conversation with Davros, which is one of the, probably the more prolific uh, conversations in all of Doctor Who, where he asked Dalek, uh, Davros if he had this little vial of... Uh, Poison. Bacterial oh. something or other. Virus. Virus. Bacteria or an infection of some kind. It was a virus, just like uh, we are virus, right now. Yeah. If you could uh, start a global um, pandemic <laughs> to kill everything. Start a pandemic, would you do it? Would you release it to... to your, no, your he didn't say would you release it. He said would you create it. Well, also and release, create oh. and release it. Yeah, and Davros is like, yes, I would. I would create it. I would release it. I would 
that would set, set me up amongst the gods. Uh, that was a that was a terrifying yeah. <laughs> speech. Although when you see the Daleks turn on him, you wonder, you know, if he's had a change of heart at that point. Uh, any any uh, grievances with this story? Anything that that turned you off from it? It was a little cheesy. How like when they lost the time ring again? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think what was more cheesy was how the time ring actually functioned. I mean, oh, like, yeah. every, <laughs> the really doctor nice. makes fun of like <laughs> Captain Jack's you know, vortex, time, manipulator. vortex manipulator, and this thing you hold on to it, and you just kind of flip around in circles and just fly through space incredibly slowly. <laughs> It looks well, like the worst way to to time space jump. There is an edit of this story that they did that they released in theaters, and they also released back right after this story actually came out. And it actually skips that scene, even though there's a great quote from the Doctor. It it's not the most real well realized sequence. Yeah. <laughs> they realized that afterwards. Yeah, yeah, I can see why. Um, but I generally, so like, I, like if I really ha- would have to pinpoint a lot of faults with this episode, a lot of it for me is just coming down to, I think some of it could have been condensed to be a little bit more exciting. Yeah. Um, I think just the way that some shots are taken, uh, it, it comes down to, I think, a lot of my inherent biases just against older shows and, and, and TV, just in terms of how the pace works, in terms of how there might be focus on some minor uh, conversations or things that don't turn the plot along or really do a lot of character development but you know i thought it was pretty solid not not a lot of big plot holes i really thought the sarah jane smith one was going to be the the one to ah got him got him here but that might have just been our dvd getting us (laughs) one common complaint about this story is that for this story they actually only created three daleks um there were a couple of props that were not uh that you couldn't actually put a man in, or a woman inside, but there were only three working Daleks. And so they had to keep reshooting the same three Daleks in multiple ways. Now, that's kind of inventive, is that you take different angles so it looks like there's more Daleks. But in one given scene, you're only going to see three Daleks able to move. I didn't find that to be problematic in the slightest. I mean, honestly, like, I... I was like, they may have said how many Daleks they 20, had. They I had think. Twenty. Okay. Well, but I mean, whatever it was, we knew that they only had a few. It would make sense that they wouldn't all be in the same room at any given time, you know. And then yeah, that you didn't phase me. Yeah, it didn't phase me at all, and I didn't really think about it. I guess I probably assumed that there were three to maybe five Daleks. I, I think possibly. it comes back down to what I really love about the Daleks all the time. You know, we see fleets of them, and we see millions. And, you know, hundreds of thousands of them going to take over things. But you just need uh, one, one or two to take down planets and conquer worlds. That's really all it takes. You know, if, if, if anything, you know, you can do a lot of messing with them. But if one lives, you're just setting them back a thousand years. Well, yeah. And, you know, <laughs> they didn't really, you know, make sure that they destroyed that whole, like, replicator generator or whatever thing was creating more Daleks at the end. Yeah, I feel like the Doctor was really satisfied with a very minor victory. <laughs> like, it didn't seem like it was mission accomplished. Well, also, I thought it was strange because he certainly seemed to act like it was mission accomplished when he was debating whether to touch the wires together. But then, like, when he went to do it again, he was like, eh, I did it, but, you know, it'll just set him back a thousand years. Yeah. 
And it ended up not being him that that touched the wires. It was a Dalek. Yeah. I did think that that was a little, like, I mean, I get where they were going. That that one I feel iffy about because on one hand it's like, ha, the Daleks kind of, you know, wrought their own destruction. But then it's sort of like that's just kind of a cop out so the doctor doesn't have to be the one to do it, you know, like on the writer's part. (laughs) Well, I think that's the case in a lot of in a lot of stories for Doctor Who, though, the Doctor ends up not being the one to do whatever needs to be done. It ends up being somebody else. Yeah, that's true. That's a, com- that's a common occurrence in Doctor Who. But, it- but I'm really reaching, honestly, for these, these flaws here because I thought this whole story was really spectacular. Yeah, it's mostly like, a, it's a lot about thinking about, like, you could have done something more. There could have been something more exciting. You could have had more of a focus. But I think it holds up. I think it's a nice, consistent, cohesive story, um, which, honestly, in some of the classic episodes, I don't get. But this is... This is truly, you know, going on a nice, you know, wrapped up plot line. It really doesn't skip around, you know, kind of play with you in terms of what's going to happen. I I could see myself, you know, back in the 70s, like really just waiting for for next week, you know, on this and being excited for it and not let down. Yeah. And I also thought it was great that they had some real core, you know, moral dilemmas in this one, which, you know, it was really great. The whole you know, could you actually go and be the one to, you know, push the button to, to just, kill or to, not to kill? To that is the commit question. commit a genocide to, you know, could you kill a baby Hitler? And the doctor points out very easily that he would just be no better than the Daleks because he'd be exterminating. It's exactly what he's trying not to do. Yeah, the Time so. Lords, I think, chose the wrong person for this particular mission in, in that sense. <laughs> well... Maybe the Time Lords didn't want him to succeed. Maybe they I, were... Te- I think the Time Lords knew they could bully him into doing that. The t- yeah, the Time Lords probably just wanted... It's just like probably like a fun prank for them. You know, they didn't really want to change time all that much. They want to guard time. But, you know, they want to have a little fun and mess with the Doctor. <laughs> well, and messing with the Daleks, though, it does mess with time itself quite a bit. So it is kind of a, it's kind of an anti-Time Lord mentality unless they just saw that the Dalek unless there was something more to this with regards to them knowing what the Daleks were capable of well I mean he also they also addressed it at the beginning I mean the guy was like look I know that this isn't our general policy but you know in this case we're making an exception (laughs) yeah I don't know it seems like the doctor never made an exception in the past yeah I don't think the the time lords even went that far I think the time lords were even just Dude, phrasing that in respect to the doctor, it's like, oh, well, we tr- like you, we let you travel around, and we don't, you know, get involved. We let you do stuff. You can do this one thing for us. <laughs> we assume that you say yes anyway. Here you go. Here's a time ring. <laughs> well, I mean, because we're the, here, we're here in Scarlet. Well, by I mean, the way. Here, here's also the thing too: is that the time lords, they're like, they don't want to get their hands dirty and messing around with time and stuff. They're supposed to just be observers, but the doctor just like goes around messing around with time all the time. So they're just like, eh, his hands are already dirty. Give it to him; he'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, grand, grand logic by the time lords. I, I like how the I like how they they brought in the you know the weak caller that that guy had going the you know to be like this is guy's time lord. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've touched based on a lot of the things that we liked about this story and what we didn't like. Uh, what is your rating, Colin? Oh wow! On the spot, coming back to me. 
So, uh, yeah, we, I've divulged a lot of the stuff about this episode, but I, I, I am a sucker for an origin story. Uh, on the other half of my biases, I don't like, you know, television and productions from, you know, over 40 years ago. But here we are, and this was a great story. I, it was cohesive. It was awesome. It featured the Daleks. What a menace. And what just to see them be created, the, the, the first episode of Davros... And just see, just to be able to see the doctor kind of transplanted into another point in time, in in the sense of his own recollection and memory and knowledge, like that—that's the way that time is consistent. I think in this show, you know, from the doctor's perspective. Um, but this was good. This was well paced. Uh, as we said, all the all the um, companions, I think, had their own meaningful contributions and worked well as a team. Um, we had new, interesting characters, good moral quandaries and developments. And, you know, for the classic era, at least, you know, they did pretty well on the set and everything else going on. You know, not a bad rocket and some explosions in the mix. This is a pretty epic Doctor Who classic episode. Um, you know, I, I, I won't go the full 10. I'm not going there because there are just episodes that I've loved so much more and that have resonated with me and that I think will stick with me to my core more than this one will. But this is a great, enjoyable ride, um, you know, for the whole family. I'm going to give this a 9 out of 10. All right. I thought as an origin story, this was great because it really did kind of give kind of an explanation to, like, why the Daleks are the way they are. Hey, they were engineered on purpose to be military devices, you know, they were taught this, they were taught that. We went through a lot of it previously, so I won't reiterate it, but, you know, seeing that and then also just seeing Davros and how Dalek-like he became when, when he got, you know, ramped up and stuff, it really all kind of lends itself nicely. Um, as an introduction to a villain of Davros. I thought it was great. I thought he was a great villain. I thought that Nider, his uh, his sidekick was, or henchman or whatever, was like he was great. He he was such a creepy dude. That actor did a phenomenal job there. I thought um, acting in general was great. Uh, the story really came together nicely, and um, I thought that yeah. Basically, I I have to say I will give this one a ten. Wow, <laughs> big hey, one. Um, we've been talking about a lot, or a lot about the origin story. This is actually technically the second origin story for the Daleks since the Daleks from the William Hartnell era was supposed to be the original um, origin story. But there are explanations as to how you can fit them in there without there being too much of a conflict. Still. Um, this introduces Davros, and Davros, I think, is an amazing character. Um, and, as a matter of fact, a lot of characters in this were quite well done, well acted, well thought out, and and well written for. Um, the dialogue in this story was quite um, quite nice to listen to. It, it was something that was intelligible. That's <laughs> my word. Um, at any rate, I just... I do think sometimes Genesis gets a little bit overrated just because it is such a strong story that sometimes people do overlook the length and sometimes they overlook the fact that there is some padding. Not much, but there is some. And there is, and, and there are, I mean, there are some camera angles and things that don't quite make up, make it seem like all the rest of them. But 
I still have to give this a 9 out of 10 only because this is one of those stories that I can give I don't care too much about the faults because they don't outweigh the the good that this episode or this story actually has and um it's not my great most favorite Tom Baker story but it it does deserve um credit for what they did with it and the, the atmosphere the feelings the everything it just really came together quite well um this is obviously the best story of this season in my opinion as well nice well, I have to say, I, I did think of a... Sorry to cut you off. That's okay. I did think of a, a flaw in my mind. You know, it's not a, it's not a gaming plot hole, um, you know. But I was thinking back to Davros and his huge weakness that he should have never had. He has a button just, like, sitting on his wheelchair that can just take away all of his life support. <laughs> yeah. I mean, where where'd that come from? Like, he engineered that thing? That, that doesn't seem, you know, in line with his character or the possibilities. And Just why? Why would you ever do it, that? It's his power switch. He needs an on-off switch, right? <laughs> well, I certainly wouldn't put it there. It seems very, very easy to confuse with his other buttons. Very easy to, you know, <laughs> maybe just put an elbow down by mistake and end your own life. Also, he didn't have to build that safe that high up. <laughs> That, that is, that's a, a glaring flaw I didn't even think about. But yeah, that's, this is true. Why would you have a button right where your elbow goes? Yeah. Well, I, I hope the doctor remembers this in future eras. <laughs> or maybe maybe Davros tries to course correct for this. <laughs> I, I, think that button, I think that switch is eliminated. <laughs> Exterminated. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, that, that's another qu- quick connection that I want to make at the end of our summation. Like, the Daleks... They sound exactly like Davros. Of course, it was probably based on a recording of his voice. At least it seems that way. My- Michael, do we have the same voice actors going on in, in the no, show? No, no, no. Michael Wisher plays Davros. Roy Skelton is known as the Dalek voice. Oh, man. The- they seem like, like they the- must have collaborated. Just like hearing Davros say, exterminate. Well, they, they did a little bit of a voice mod on Davros there. Um, and like the total voice mod on the Daleks. So they, I think they got a little bit of that in there to make it more mm. similar. Yeah, I, well, I think the Dalek mod- voice modification is stronger than Davros's, and they did that on purpose to make right. him a little bit more hum- uh, human-like, so that he has a little bit, he emotes more than a Dalek would. Right. Makes sense. Because he can. <laughs> yeah, but he, I mean, because uh, if you watch the performance, you see that he has moments of quiet, more subdued Davros, which he's more contempl- contemplative, or he's trying to just learn which is kind of interesting. Yeah. But I feel like even the Daleks have that. Like, in the same way, I can feel like them saying, like, Obey! Obey! Exterminate! Like, you know, it's like they're almost, like, anxious or, you know, building uh, a little more powerful I about guess. it. Well, also I some mean, of their, their, It seems like, like it has a parallel. Just the, the way that Davros was speaking, it just seemed so similar to me. Yeah, the cadence is, is, yeah. is the same, for sure. Well, I think it's also interesting how... Uh, Davros and the, and the Daleks to a larger extent, you know, how, how well Davros was able to emote in this, given that, you know, the face makeup and stuff that he had made it, you know, hard for it. Like, he couldn't really move his face very much or express with it, so... Um, it was all the voice. It was all the voice, and it really, you know, he did a phenomenal job. Michael Wisher definitely did a, a really good job, but I... There is another actor who comes later, Terry Malloy, who 
I think, gets it down to a science. And uh, he's he's known for resurrection, revelation, and remembrance of the Daleks. So many oh, R's. Yeah, yeah, that, so many yeah. R Daleks. That guy the, is, yeah, is really the good. The first two, I think, are, are his probably best performances. And he kind of mimics a lot of what Michael Wisher did, did in those performances. Um, we've already done Revelation of the Daleks, um, and uh, we did mention that Davros was quite quite good in that one. Um, but in uh, we haven't done the other two yet, so we'll get to them. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if this comes, but I'd love to see an, an origin story of Davros where you know he comes from pretty much like normal humanoid on Scaro to... You know, third eye, no eye, you know, green... No, no, monster. he does have eyes. He just always keeps them closed. We learned that in the 12th Doctor era. I was like, why? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, that, that is wild. But um, but still, I, I feel like there's... He's got some explaining to do. <laughs> yeah, for sure. He probably just did some, like, weird radiation experiments on himself or something blew up in his face. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, it was nice talking with you all with uh, everything going on. And I hope everybody out there has a happy holiday season. Yeah, stay safe. Indeed. Well, you can find us online at all the social medias. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, you all have a wonderful um, holiday season. Indeed. Bye. Bye.